0: Now, before we get into the message today, I want to encourage you, as the body of Christ, to stay active in kingdom things. So I'm going to be bringing things to you that you can lift up in prayer, that you can become involved in. And so I'm asking you to pray with me. I'm going to ask you to pray with me for salvations. You know, the world needs salvation. We're getting reports where people are coming back to the Lord and, and uh, you know, the backsliders are coming home. Sinners are repenting and giving their life to Christ. And so in the midst of bad things that happen, God is making good things happen. Secondly, I want to encourage you that you pray for a unity of spirit so that we as a church Begin to inherit the earth, that we can begin to take back that which belongs unto God, and all men belong to the Lord. And then I want you to pray. I want you to pray that we give ear and time during this time to listen to God. Let's hone our spiritual ears and our spiritual senses. Let's take this time that we may have awful work or whatever it might be, but that we give ear to learn more about hearing God so that he can be active and we can work with him in that activity in every area of our life. And then I'm going to ask you to go into all the world. Go into your local church. Phyllis and I, uh, this week, are making out cards. Phyllis is going to write them out so that people can read them. But we're going to hang them either on the door of our neighbor's, uh, the doorknob of our neighbor's door, or we're going to put them on the red flag of the mailbox. Now, you can't put them in the mailbox because that's a federal offense. That's a federal zone there. So you don't want to do that. But what Phyllis and I are going to do is just very simply, we're going to introduce ourselves. We are Phyllis and Peter Dosick. Peter Dosic or Phyllis, whichever one. And we are your neighbors. We're going to give them our address. And then we're going to let them know that we are praying for them every day. And that we are pronouncing blessing upon their life. And then we are going to invite them that if you have need, Please call us. And when you call us, whatever we can do, we would do. If we have it, it's yours. We want to extend the hand of the love of Christ to you and your family. So please don't go off and stay by yourself, but unite yourself with your neighbors. So Phyllis and I are going to be doing that this week, and we encourage you to do it. Reach out and touch people that are around you. This is your local world. And really what this is, is Acts 2.46 on down, digital. In other words, we're going to reach people in a way that we have never reached them. We're going to be going in their houses. We're going to be breaking bread. We're going to be testifying. We're going to be answering questions. And those of you that want to add a little, that Phyllis and I will do, we're going to add, we invite you to read your Bible today with us. And we're going to start in Psalms 1. And we're going to read one chapter a day with our neighbors. We're inviting them to come in to discover who God is. And let the Word bring healing. Let the Word bring deliverance. Let the Word bring salvation. But we are going to invite them to read with us, and we're going to put on there. We're going to read this scripture, this uh, passage of scripture. This we're going to give them dates, and we're going to get them involved, involved with our relationship with Christ. So please do that, and we're going to pray for one more thing: an overflowing of God's Holy Ghost. To pour life into us, that we can give life to others. So many times we use the Holy Ghost just for ourselves. But during this time, Jesus said these words that they will know you by your love. That if we love the brethren, that is going to cause the world to take notice. So, what we want to do is we want the Holy Ghost to fill us with life and to fill us with compassion for other people. Now, I know that we're not supposed to reach out and do all of this and, uh, you know, rub hands and all of that kind of stuff, but there are ways to do it. Let God speak to your heart how you can do it. Now, one last thing. Let me inform you. Why are we here? Well, we are here because we had a conference call with the governor of the state of Ohio, Mike DeWine. And what we did was we listened to his concern about the health of Ohio. How we could be involved in keeping our state healthy. And he really asked the churches to think about closing their doors to keep people from touching one another or being involved in physical contact one with another. Now, some have said, well, you know, that's a lack of faith, and that's this, and that's that. Well, this church is having it, and that church, well, they can absolutely do that. But when the governor asked me to do something that would help the life of others, then I perceived that he was inviting me to a purpose that could give others a length of days that would give others help. And so what I did, I chose to hear what was in his words, not to make a statement about my faith. My faith doesn't need to be questioned, and neither does yours. It doesn't have to be proved, neither does yours. So what I did was I complied with the request of those that God have put in power. Romans, the 13th chapter, verse 1 down through 6. Now, I do not regret that, even though lots of people regret that I did that. But our governor asked us to do it. Now, those that were not in on that conference call, I'm sure that they're still doing what they do, and that's fine. But if one person would lose their life over the foolishness of somebody else, it would not be good. And it wouldn't be good for the kingdom. And it won't be good for Jesus' name. So that's why we're here. And that's why we are doing online church. And that's why our church is going to grow. And that's why you're going to grow. And that's why you're going to begin to share and strengthen the love of God for your brothers and for your sisters and your neighbors in a way that they have never seen before. And they're going to be touched by God. Hallelujah. All right, let's turn our Bibles to Matthew, the 10th chapter, verse 38 through 42. Verse, uh, Matthew 10, verse 38 through 42. And I'm going to preach on today, expecting much out of little. You know, today we are encumbered about by all the ideas and principles and uh all of the ways that the world deals with things, but you and I don't have to agree with the world. We don't have to come into allegiance of the world. We can live by the wisdom of God. And so today I want to talk to you about expecting much out of little. In Matthew 10 and verse 38, And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me, is not worthy of me. And he that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. He that receiveth you receiveth me. He that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. And he that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoso shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water, Only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, that he shall in no wise lose his reward. You know, when we look at taking our cross, a lot of people look at that saying, well, that's a great thing to do. Well, it is a great thing to do. It's not a hard thing to do, but it is a choice that every Christian needs to make. And it says that when we take up our cross, that we will receive a reward for doing that act of picking up the purpose of God for our life. So there is a reward in being fully dedicated to the Lord. There is a reward of taking your cross and carrying it. And the reward is that it proves our worthiness To be disciples of Jesus Christ. So an inactive disciple is simply someone that doesn't bear witness that Jesus is with him. Secondly, it says if a man would lose his life, he'll find it. Now just think of this. When we are talking about picking up a cross, when we're talking about losing our life, that simply means that we become absorbed into Christ and His life and His purpose becomes ours. When we do not pick up or become absorbed in Christ, then what happens is we get out of balance and separated from God. And what we do is we start seeking to improve our life without Christ being in it. You might not have thought of it like that, but really, if we aren't pursuing Jesus then we are just pursuing our own life. And in pursuing your own life, you will lose it. You will lose your purpose because your purpose is only found in Jesus. Your purpose is not just found in life. Your purpose is found in the will of God being carried out to your life. And then it says that he... uh, That receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth God. Now this seemed like a very little thing to receive somebody in the name of Jesus that would come and would simply say, Well, you know, I'm a servant of the Lord. And if you would receive him and treat him like you would Jesus Christ, you are receiving Jesus in his place and Jesus then tells us that when we receive him in the place of that individual, we receive the Father also. Then it gets down to nitty-gritty and says, if you just receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, therefore, what we're seeing is that when we receive somebody that is active in the purpose of God, just on the basis of his own name, we receive a reward then the last is the littlest. It says that if we receive one of these little ones and we give them a drink of cold water, then we will not receive our reward. In other words, just something small, a cup of cold water can produce rewards that touch eternity. Think of just an act of kindness, an act of consideration, an act of compassion. Something so little that we have so much of and we do nothing with. If we will use it, guess what? There will be great reward in it. So it might start out, carry your cross. But then it ends up with the smallest of all things, a cup of cold water. See, you can expect that when you do the small things in life for others, that God will bring you a great reward. Amen? And realize this, never doubt, never doubt the power of small expressions of love and faith. Never doubt it. Don't ever count it as something that doesn't change the world. Because Jesus said this in Matthew 17, 20. If you have the faith of the grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this sycamine tree, be plucked up and cast into the sea, and it would obey you. Just the small action. So many times we're waiting that if I had more of this, if I had that, and if I knew this, no. No. What you want to do is just live where you're at. Use what you have. There used to be a song out that says, uh, faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. You don't need a lot. You just need to use what you got. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. And really, that's the truth. You were not skilled in the use of faith when you got born again, but you use your faith that God had sent His only begotten Son, and when you used that, you were born again. Death was totally defeated. Sins were totally wiped away. Your identity was established in heaven, and your presence was then positioned at the right hand of God. Now, those are realities. They aren't just wish-me statements. These are realities that happen when you use faith probably in its smallest form in your life so we could expect and we should expect great things out of small beginnings and so as we as believers we want to make sure that we look at the end that God said could happen and not just as what we have in our hands amen now The first thing about receiving much out of little is you got to have a God attitude. What is a God attitude? In other words, you need to think like God thinks. You need to dream like God dreams. Now, people don't imagine that a seed makes much of a difference because they would say, well, you know, we need to plant 10,000 of them. But only one seed starts the field that can change a harvest, one seed. And so when we do small acts of faith and love, it will release a lot into our life. And if you went to Matthew, the sixth chapter, this is a great unveiling of how great faith is born. Matthew, the sixth chapter, and verse 25 Therefore I say unto you, now take no thought for your life, for what you shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on it. Is it not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Well, of course. And it says, behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, are you not much better than they? Which one of you taking one thought can add one cubit to his stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they spin and toil not, neither, I mean, How they grow and how they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which for today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or with what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be closed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Yet for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all those things shall be added unto you. Now, these are small things that the world sees and takes for granted. But Jesus says, you need to have the attitude that God has concerning your needs, concerning your raiment, concerning your food. And he says this, that we need not think negative. We need to think the way that God wants us to think. You know, the Bible tells us to be not conformed, but be renewed, in our mind, and we are renewed in our mind, and when we do, we discover the good, the perfect will of God. See, it's not God's will that we live under worry, but if we don't contain these small things called thoughts, then we will miss the greatness of God's increase in our life. So we need to get a God attitude. We need to start getting our minds renewed, thinking like God. Now it's a small thing, but one small thought can increase your faith or defeat it. You can strengthen and grow in your faith by looking at the scriptures and getting the mindset of God about your life, about your provision, about the way you handle it. Or you can cause your faith to shrink up and draw back if you think negatively instead of like God. Now, let's go to uh, 1 Kings 17, 8 through 16. Most of us know this passage of Scripture. It's uh, about a widow that is at Zarephath. She's about to run into a man named Elijah. And Elijah has a word from God that she has a word from also. And the two will come together. And it will seem like a small thing, but it will become a testimony that is rehearsed for years, centuries, and millenniums from the time that it happened. And in 1 Kings 17, 8, and it says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, Elijah, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon. And dwell there, behold I have commanded a widow, a woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of that city, behold the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her, and he said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called unto her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise or in a small vessel that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Think how she was thinking. We're going to die. She never considered that there could be much come out of little. She did not realize the potential of putting faith in God. She could not understand how something could increase when there was no place for it to increase from. But she is spoken to by the prophet. And it says, And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. Now Elijah understood small beginnings. He understood that God could cause great things to happen out of little faith. He knew that God could do anything if man would make a connection with God by faith. He really believed in the Word of God. If she will sustain you, the barrel will never run dry. He believed that. And he states the end before the seed has ever been given. And so then, as Elijah said in her, fear not, don't tremble, don't be intimidated by where you're standing and what you see. He really wants her to see beyond her seed. And it says this in verse 14, For thus saith the Lord God in Israel, The barrel of meal shall not wax, neither shall the cruse of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And when the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah." Now get this concept that there is no place to buy grain. She evidently would have tried. She didn't want to die. She didn't want her son to die. Yet, she believes that if she does something small, a handful of meal, I don't know how big her hand was, Maybe it's as big as Gordon Ludeke's. I I don't know. But it was a hand that she said her and her son were going to eat of and Elijah takes his portion out first. Now there's a whole lot less left than what was started out to have. What does she do? She puts a little into the hands of God see she has a mindset when Elijah comes it refreshes the word of the Lord and it refreshes it that she is to believe God her faith may have wavered because she's seen the barrel of meal growing smaller and smaller it might have been at point zero when Elijah shows up but when he shows up he speaks the word and says really this, expect God to do something bigger than what you have. And God wants all of us to do that. I mean, faith does what? It believes that God does what you can't do. It believes that God can move a mountain by one word. It believes that God can calm a storm by one word. It believes that God can raise the dead by one commandment. And so we want to make sure that we are believing God for much. Much out of a small beginning. Hallelujah. So the mindset is that you and I get the mindset that God has. And the mindset that God has is never that when you give what you have that it ends what God can do. No, when you release what you have in little form, God can do great things in your midst. Amen. Hallelujah. Remember that Jesus, His disciples, when they were feeding the multitude of 5,000 men plus women and children, He said, feed you these people. The disciples said, Where could we buy 2,000 pence of bread for these people? And Jesus said, what do you have? They said, two fishes and five loaves. But what is that little bit among so many? Peter was thinking, I could eat this myself. And I believe he probably could have. But what God has a little of in the hands of a righteous man, can produce much because of faith. And so Jesus takes these little fishes. Didn't say they were 25-pound walleyes. It said that they were little fishes. Might have been about that big. I don't know how much his mother would have given him expecting him to eat lunch that day. But he had five loaves, so he would have filled up on bread, I'm presuming. But anyway, he has this small thing and he lifts it up. And he offers it and asks God, God bless this little. And God turns it into much. And after the miracle was done, they take up 12 baskets of bread and bits of fishes. So understand that Jesus even taught his disciples that you can start out with little but you ought to expect much. Jesus expected that there would be much out of his little. The mindset or the way of God is not to think how little you have, but to think what God can do with what you release. See, it's not the mindset, but I've only got a little. It's that God can do much with a little. And that is the mindset of God, that is the mindset of faith. I still believe, and I mean I still believe, that God can increase not only spiritual things, but physical things, and I believe that God can cause much to come out of a little. I believe that. I don't think God has ever changed. I think the church has dumbed itself down to think that only what we have can God build on. No, what we have is a place that God will build a revelation of who He really is if we will use it. Do you think that the woman at Zarephath had a testimony of all of her neighbors that that God has blessed her because I knew how little she had. Sometimes we're protecting our little and wishing for much, but really we have to release our little in order to obtain much. I still believe in increase, that God can increase not only spiritual things, but that God can increase finances by a seed, that God can increase provision by a seed? That God can produce healing by an act of faith? See, I believe that God is still in the increased business. And I believe that God will provide for us no matter where we are if we will simply put faith in Him. Hallelujah. And so, in the time of little, it is the time not to be discouraged, not to complain, not to get fearful, not to wonder what's going to happen. In the time of little, it's time to turn our attention to God's way and not our way. Amen? That we turn our way to God's way. That we disconnect ourselves from the world's way. What if the woman at Zarephath would have thought like her neighbors? What if Jesus would have thought like his disciples? We don't have a place to buy bread. But Jesus never thought that. He thought, if I offer God a little and God blesses it, I can have much. And that's just what happened. Number two, we need to allow God to do What we can't. What we can't. Worry produces nothing. Anxiety produces nothing. Wondering produces nothing. Wishing produces nothing. Hoping produces nothing. But faith produces increase. Amen? Listen, God is a God of increase. He come in Deuteronomy 7, I come to increase you and to increase the fruit of your land and to increase your oil. Listen, God is a God of increase. And when God asks you for something or when you look for something in your household, there is something that will become a connector for increase in your life. So let's let God do what God can do and not what you can do. Amen. Number three, don't doubt His love for you or your faith in Him. Don't ever doubt that God loves you. If you do, then you will dismiss all of His provision. But God loves you And don't think He loves everybody else more than you. He loves you right where you're at, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what you are bound by. It doesn't matter. God loves the world, and He loves you. So get confidence and faith in God's love for you. Don't put it on a performance level. Well, you know, I haven't prayed and I haven't read and I haven't this and I haven't done that. You might not have done those things for years, but it doesn't matter. God still loves you. And don't doubt that you have faith in God. If you didn't have faith, you wouldn't be listening to the gospel. You have faith because you know God is your answer. Number four, look for something God can use to release increase. Stop complaining, stop murmuring about what you don't have and find something you do have. Remember, Elijah asked a woman, what do you have in your house? She said, well, I got a little oil in a cruise. He said, that's enough. He recognized that it wasn't what she could do with what she had. He recognized what God could do if she would release it. And she released that little oil and she borrowed all of these containers and she kept pouring. She paid her debt. Her sons lived off of that because she took the little that she had and believed God for the increase. You might say, well, what if God doesn't do it? But what if he does? I didn't tell you the things that God didn't do for people that had little. I've told you several things that God did for people that had little. So I'm not looking for a way to fail. I'm looking for a way to release God. So we want to make sure that we begin to maintain our faith in God, and that we begin to think that God's Word is the answer for all that we do. Psalms twenty-seven thirteen, It says, I had fainted, talking of David, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. In other words, David would have given up if he did not believe that he could see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Right here in our lives, God wants to unveil his goodness. And his goodness is not in us bearing our own needs, fighting our own fights, overcoming our own problems. It's that we put faith in God As little as it may be, as little as we may have, if we will take something little, God will do something big. Now, God's truth shatters all the lies of human wisdom and brings increase to our life. It shatters it. You know, we we live in a world that says, hold on to what you have. Lay up for a rainy day. Well, you never know what's going to happen. This may go bad. And I'm sure that things happen in life because the life that I live is filled with those things. But, could we not realize that no matter what is going on, there's always a seed, a crumb, an action, a word from God that we can release to see God's increase in our life. And if we could, if I could ask any of you, you could tell me story after story about how God met a need, how you took a, a cup of sugar and somebody returned it, or you got two bags of sugar for the price of one, Uh, You could go on where you had a last dollar and God told you to give it. You gave it and an increase come, a breakthrough, how you believe God, sowing a seed and a job come, and the list goes on and on and on because that's what our life is filled with. But it's these small things that God will make increase greatly so that you can have that to share with other people. So, no matter what you're facing, I know that many of you may have been laid off. I know that many of you may have not been prepared. It happened overnight. It may be that, you know, this has happened or that happened. You may be dealing with the crush of the weight of even some of your children living with you. Well, I want to tell you something. That the ability of God to reverse this lies not in what you don't have, but lies what is hidden in your house. And God has something in your house. You know, God asked Moses. Moses brought Israel out in Exodus the 13th chapter, and brought them right to the brink of the Red Sea. And God said, tell the people to go forward. I'm kind of like Moses, like, duh, there's water there. (laughs) And uh, Moses said, well, how am I going to take them forward? And God says, what is in your hand? A stick. Now, a stick without the touch of God was just a stick. It could beat off snakes and crush scorpions. It could nudge sheep to go one way. It could protect them, maybe from a bear or a wolf. But it couldn't do anything supernatural. But when Moses lifted it up, God caused the wind to blow. And it blew, and it blew, and it blew And it blew all night. Until in the morning when the sun comes up, there is a path through the Red Sea. Water is stacked up on both sides. The Red Sea has a path of dryness through it. Moses leads the people of Israel through that path into victory and to the fullness of their salvation. And Pharaoh comes... And God takes the waters and causes them to begin to flow back to their ordinary place. And all the soldiers of Pharaoh drowned in the Red Sea. In the Red Sea. Now, what is in your hand? What are you short on? What are you facing lack in? God wants to do something great something great. Hallelujah. Well, I hope you've been blessed by that. No matter where you are, no matter how little you have, I know that there is a God in heaven that's going to increase you. Amen. Now, before we leave this morning, I'm going to receive communion with you. Now, I know, couldn't I have that, Kylan? I know some of you are going to say, but we don't have the bread, and we don't uh, have grape juice, and we don't have that. Well, I'm going to read a passage of Scripture to you because sometimes we make things a little more religious than what God intended them to be. And in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, Paul is getting ready to speak and he's speaking to them about how Jesus delivered to him the ordinances of communion. And he says, For I have received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus himself, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread. And he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, he also took the cup. When he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Now when we come to this part of communion, automatically we say, but I need the wafer. Or I need the bread without leaven. I need the bread that has holes in it to show that Jesus was pierced. I need the bread that's brown darkly to show that Jesus suffered the fires of affliction for me. But really, Paul mentions none of that. And I do not belittle that. I think if you can do that, that's great. But more so than you doing everything the way that you think it was I think God is more interested in the intent instead of the legalism of the act. So today while you're watching, what if Jesus just took bread? He never gave Paul any indication of what it was or what it wasn't. It's a symbolism. It's not the actual body of Jesus. But it's a symbolism to cause our mind to go back and refresh itself and stir itself in the things of God. So he took bread and he broke it. I don't know what the loaf looked like. You don't either. So he took this bread and he broke it. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And Father, today as the people and I join each other in this act of taking bread, breaking it, God, symbolic of Jesus' life being broken for our sins, that He bore our curse in His body, that we could receive the blessings of Abraham in this body and in this life. Now, God, we thank You for it, and we receive it now, And we remember what you did for us. And who we are right now. We are the blessed of the Lord. Out of the same way. He took. And he said take this is. My blood. This cup represents my blood. That located in. In. The forgiveness of your sins. It represents my blood. Now, we presume that I don't know what it was that Jesus showed Paul, but we as the church, we have declared that it's grape juice. But if I was on an island and no grape juice was there, I would still break bread. And I would drink of something and I would remind myself that this is a symbolism of the blood of Jesus Christ. See, it is the intent of our mindset, not the legalistic actions. Now, some would say, oh man, that, that's just sacrilege. That, that's not communion. Well, I wonder if he was on the island of Miletus. And he would have taken bread and he would have drank something and said, God, I know this is not, but this is what I have. And that God, I receive it in the remembrance of what Jesus did for me through his blood. And I drink it today and I call to remembrance that my faith is in you until the day that Jesus returns and he would take on the island of Miletus in front of all those that he is testifying to which have never heard of grape juice or maybe bread used that way and he calls to remembrance and he preaches the gospel and then he drinks some form of juice that's been pressed that's been extracted that's been pushed out. And that's what the blood of Jesus was. And so, he takes and he drinks. And out of that drinking and eating of that bread, he calls to remembrance why Jesus died for him. And so, I hope you don't get all freaked out. Just realize that it's the intent of what God is doing. Hallelujah. Now, I want to encourage you that you get ready. We're going to pray for the sick. Uh, if you turned in any any prayer requests or anything, do you have any today, Ashley? All right. Thank you, Kylan. We have some right here. And... Uh, we have prayers for people that are anxious. Prayer for people that have, are dealing with shingles. Deliverance for a son. Healing in body, mind, and spirit. That a brain mass and cancer would be treated. Now just stretch forth your hand towards the TV or towards your Facebook. This is not anything magical. It's just an act of faith, something little. Father, I come against all anxiety. I come against right now, God, every area of worryment right now, of fretting. And God, we right now are it, We break its power. And God, we begin to rejoice that you are our provider that God, you've made a way where there was no way. God, we break that spirit of anxiety and vexation. Then God, we break right now the root cause of these shingles. We command this virus in the name of Jesus to come out of them right now. Loose them. And God, we loose the working of miracles right now in Jesus' name. And then, God, we pray for the deliverance of loved ones. Not just for this son, but God, for sons and daughters, for son in laws and daughter in laws. We pray, God, that in the name of Jesus, because of their association with us, the righteous, that God, the seed, shall be saved. God, not only will it be blessed, but God, it will be delivered. Not only will it be delivered, but it'll be made whole. It'll be healed, God, and freed. We command you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth an addictive spirit. We command right now every drug addiction, every alcohol addiction, every addiction to cigarettes, every addiction to pornography and unclean things. We command you in the name of Jesus. Come out of them. God, we loose the working of miracles, and freedom in Jesus' name. Then, God, we pray for healing of the body, of the brain, and of the mind, and of the spirit. We pray, God, an overhaul upon those that God have landed upon the shores of Miletus after a wreck after a crash God after what it seemed like losing their purpose and losing their way God we pray for them right now those that are lying on the shores of Miletus God that you would raise them up and bring healing and help to their spirit their mind and their bodies I curse I curse viruses I curse God infections I curse God right now weakness and affliction I curse cancers I curse leukemia I curse God blood diseases I curse arthritis I command every joint to be made whole I command it to be free in Jesus name every leg every knee every back God every upper neck shoulders arms hands God I curse arthritis And I loose the working of miracles in Jesus' name. Then, God, I speak to this mass upon this brain and this cancer. I curse it in the name of Jesus that, God, this mass will die. I command you right now in the name of Jesus' mass for you to die in that brain. Now, God, I command every cancerous cell to come out of those individuals. I command right now life to replace those cells. Oh, God, for your glory in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And now, what I want to do is this. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you that God will strengthen you, prosper you, and he will honor your faith. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that, God, you would prosper, bless, and increase every individual watching. I ask, God, that you touch their homes and their houses. God, that you record their faithfulness. I ask you, God, to watch over your word and to honor every act and statement of faith in their life in Jesus name in Jesus Christ name hallelujah hallelujah now I want to do one more thing you're viewing today maybe some of you are having what the team started they started a watch group a watch party on Thursday nights, when Tim is preaching to them, they have over five or six people seven, eight, no more than ten, but they have them come together. Maybe you can have your friends, your neighbors, those that are around you, people that you know that used to serve the Lord invite them over to a watch party and watch the program. Talk about the program. Talk about the goodness of God, and what God is doing in their life today, what He desires to do. And I'm telling you, we will see hundreds and thousands of people saved if we will go house to house, home to home, breaking bread, testifying through our phones, internet, and so forth, and by watch parties. Now, Father, I right now Set out the nets of salvation. If you are watching by any means of media, I want to invite you to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That simply means that you recognize that you're lost, that you're separated from God. The Bible says in Isaiah that your sins have separated you. There's only one way to deal with sins, and that's by the power of of the blood of Jesus Christ. Though it's been shed, you must put faith in it by confessing Him as Lord of your life. And when you do, your burdens will be lifted up. Sin will be broken over you. And you will be reunited with God through Christ Jesus. You'll be saved. You'll be broken free from the destiny of hell Your sins will loose you. You'll be translated into the kingdom of God, to the kingdom of His dear Son. You will be separated from spiritual death and filled with spiritual life. That's what awaits you. If you pray this prayer with me, be sincere in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that You have died for my sins. I believe that you are the son of the living God. I believe that you are now alive. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart. I willfully and knowingly confess you as Lord of my life. I receive you now as my Savior. I denounce all hidden works of darkness. I don't belong to the devil anymore. I belong to Jesus Christ. I'm born again. I'm saved. I thank you, God, that I'm a child of God through Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. Please, when if you prayed that prayer, if you've been healed, please get on. Facebook get on the internet and put in your comment thing what has happened if you receive Jesus please put in there put your phone number so we can call you and congratulate you and celebrate with you if you've been healed turn in your testimony I want you to know that God is still doing all kinds of miracles today in Jesus name now we will see you Wednesday night at seven o'clock right here We'll be looking for you. God bless you, folks. Bye-bye.